1: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At
0: chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious
1: cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. group void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthcare Plan of Georgia Inc.
2: Welcome to a Celtic state of mind, I'm Paul John Dykes. Today I am delighted to be joined by J.P. Mason and it took me... All game last night to come up with that headline, JP. So I hope you like it. I think uh, once again, here we are. We need to talk about what's happening in front of our eyes, JP. I keep getting asked on the Facebook group, come on, Paul, talk about the positives. And I keep asking, where are they? Oh, well, the positive is we uh, narrowed the gap by one point last night. That's it absolutely shambolic, but if you listen to Neil Lennon, there is no shambles, there is no crisis. Where are we, JP, since last week when we last spoke to you?
1: Well, uh, on the football side of things um, yeah we're a point out of those uh, the three games in hand where you know, we're supposedly going to win all three and that, in theory that was the, the idea but away to Livingston a place we've not won since uh, 2006 is that the right stat is that correct
2: that's astonishing if that's the stat that's shocking eh?
1: I think it is I'm, shocking. I'm sure I heard that bandied about and obviously I don't think Neil Lennon has ever won as a manager there which is also pretty shocking considering Surely the amount of games. Mind you, I guess Livingston were away from the uh, the top flight for a while, and have only come back in recent years. But um, but I, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite startling. Um, I think that the football side of things, the way things went on Saturday against Livingston, Rogic up front was was just not a, was a horrible horrible game to watch. One of the, mm-hmm. I, I said to a friend who's a Livingston fan this morning on a text that is probably one of the worst games I've ever watched. And um, I think all things considered, watching it on, at home, you know, in my flat on my own, watching an empty stadium, you know, watching that, that Celtic side with Gavin Strachan in charge in a season where we were going for 10 titles in a row, it was almost completely surreal. You know, you've got to take a step back and go, is this actually happening or what? Yeah.
2: We were revelling in the despair of the Graham Murty Period, I guess at Rangers, Mm. we're in that period ourselves, and and the big thing for me as well is, you know, we're very defensive. About Celtic Football Club, so I get when people don't like it when the club are being criticised by other fans. But where else can you go with this one, JP? You've got to pick out what's going wrong. You've got to criticise the right people. And as I was saying last night, uh, we—I think we all agree. We all realise that there are bigger changes required at Celtic Football Club. A lot of the, the issues that uh, a lot of the issues that Neil Lennon's facing is due to larger, um, bigger issues at the club and and we get that but the only change that can be made at the moment is you can maybe tinker with the squad a little bit in January and I say a little bit because I mean I don't think we're in a position to go out and buy uh, three or four players and what would the point be unless you had a new manager in place and then the other thing that can be changed immediately is obviously the management and coaching setup so when you talk about doing that that's with a view to next season we've all accepted defeat I think it's safe to say it, except for Neil Lennon we've accepted defeat this season you know he came out last night and he thinks that finally we're not going to catch Rangers but I mean we we've, we've seen it for weeks and months so there's one thing not knowing when you're beat and that can be you know that could be something that is um you know admirable JP you don't know when you're beat you keep going you show determination etc but there also needs to be an element of self awareness where you say this isn't good for me it's not good for the club but he has already stated the club are going to have to sack him if they want him to go. He will not walk. Now, if that's the case, does that change your view of Neil Lennon? What he's done for Celtic? Neil Lennon as a person, as a Celtic icon?
1: Um. See, I was thinking about this uh, this morning, really, and I, I thought, I knew you were going to ask me about this, and I think you, some. I think Amy and Colin mentioned yesterday about this sort of is there an emotional attachment from the board to Neil Lennon based on what he's done as a player and a manager for Celtic so far? I don't. I don't necessarily think that's true. I think it might be that they don't have a plan B mm. ready in place uh, to you know, and they're not prepared to go with the uh, Gavin Strachan and John Kennedy short-term option. Um, so, but in terms of how I feel about Neil Lennon, my relationship with Neil Lennon. As obviously, as a fan, I, I don't know the guy. Um, but if I take it back to the very start of when Neil Lennon signed for Celtic, I was so excited about Neil Lennon signing for Celtic that I had the home top that season. would be the 2000-2001 season. And I went out and got Lennon 18 on the back of the top right now. I could have got anybody that season. Remember all the players we had in, yeah. that, in that team at that time but I was so excited about Neil Lennon basically because he was always brilliant in Championship Manager <laughs> um, as a player you know like if you got Neil Lennon in Championship Manager then he was always great so and and the fact that he was Irish and that he was you know Martin O'Neill's guy and everything yeah. like that but when I went to get the, 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 the name in the back the, the guys in the shop were like oh we don't have any um, Scottish uh, Premiership L's left you know for the, for the L and, and I, I said oh, he said I've got English Premiership and would you would you take that instead of the, the, the Scottish one? I was like, it doesn't matter, I'll just take the English one. it. I said, What how have you run out of L's? And he went, um quite a lot of Rangers fans have been in buying uh, tops with flow on the back. Three letters, the cheap options. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I thought that was amusing. I've always I've always remembered that moment. Um,
2: I wonder where all the I wonder where all the jerseys went.
1: Well, I I, I still have my Lennon uh, top. It's actually with my friend at the moment who started a framing shirt business and uh, he asked for a loan of some of my tops to, uh, because he's a Rangers fan, and he asked for a loan of some of my tops to show the other side of the fence, so to speak. So uh, he's got that at the moment and it's signed by Neil Lennon because he came to the Tommy Burns Supper that um, my my old supporters club used to to run uh, at the TV at Banqueting Hall in Edinburgh, the the, head at Watt and Edinburgh University's Celtic Supporters Club, so um, Lennon came as a guest to that, but obviously Tommy Burns was part of the, the, the he was in charge of the youth development at that time, because mm. he retained retain them, so Tommy Burns would bring a guest, and he'd managed to bring Neil Lennon, and we were all absolutely delighted that Neil Lennon was going to be the guest, so he came as the guest, and I, I ran up to the top table with my top, you know, and I was like, I, Neil, absolutely delighted you're here at the club. You know, uh, I was at your debut at Dens Park, and he was like, "Oh, great!" And when I signed the top best wishes, Neil Lennon, eighteen. And then I was in Seville, uh, and 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 I thought Neil Lennon was one of the best players in the park that night. You know, yeah. uh, and, and you know when you've been in a ground and you've witnessed a play, it's like when you go to a gig and you, you you're with a band in a moment. You know that moment can't be repeated. So when you go to a game and you're in that moment and you're in the ground, that moment can be repeated. So it feels like you've got a connection. And then I've been with him in various other, uh, or loads of other games, every single game home and away in the Martin Neil treble season. Domestically, I was at every single game. So, you know, I saw him play, you know, loads of games. And then I was there the night he was attacked at Ten Castle. I was there mm-hmm. in the ground that night and that was a horrible, horrible thing. It was a poisonous atmosphere. You could, Almost feel it coming. I didn't. I didn't expect maybe a fan to attack them but I, I thought it was they were going to be bothered that night, and you could sense it in the air. And then that happened, and so you feel like a, an affinity with them. And then my friend Michael and I were traveling to Paris for the the fated seven one PSG game. Mm. And Neil Wenon and in the in Gt Three, um, we were just walking through, and we were walking behind them, and we went up to him, and he kind of went, know, "Are you guys going over?" Aye? and we were like, "Aye, He just kind of looked at it as if as if to say, "Oh, we're going to get hammered." Type <laughs> thing. And, then, and then we got a picture with him, and he was he was perfectly sound. and And I've, I've seen him obviously. As no people know, he drinks in Tenants Bar, which is just down the road from my flat. And I've seen him in there a couple of times. I've never approached him; just left him to his own. Devices in there because you know I'm sure he gets a lot of bothered and, and that's maybe a place he likes to go for a bit of respite and you know it's maybe not somewhere that you
2: would expect a Celtic manager to think, but See the it, big the big thing with that um, you're absolutely right some respite because of the way he's been treated as a player and, and as a manager. So when some Celtic fans say that it's wrong to criticise him. It's wrong to pile up on him and and things like that. It's due to the fact that there is a loyalty, there is a loyalty to Neil Lennon because of what he's been through, not just because of the success that he's had as a player and as a manager, but because of what he's been through. I mean, the threats, bullets in the post, attacked in the street, um, it goes on and on. Attacked in a stadium, it goes on and on. And I remember um, I was in London when he was hit by a coin. Now he was a manager of Hibs. It was a, they were playing. Hearts. It might have been at Timecastle, I think, again. Yeah. And that night, I'm listening to the game. Celtic were playing Dundee at Dens Park that night. And um, I was listening to the game. Uh, after the game, Gary Caldwell, ex teammate of Lenny's, criticised Lenny and said he brings it on himself. I remember him saying it. And the tweet will be out there somewhere, obviously. But, uh, I, you know, I'm standing up for Lenny. Even though he's a Hibs gaffer, JP, you had this affinity. You have this affinity. With Neil Lennon, I'm talking in the past tense as if a decision's been made. It feels as though last night was just the end, you know. Um, And people were saying, Neil himself yesterday was saying, it was only a month ago that uh, I won a treble. And yeah, I absolutely get that. It was exactly one month ago yesterday, you know, the 20th of December. But in this season of all seasons, I, I need to keep reminding myself that we contributed just two games to that quadruple treble this season. We only contributed two games. And in those two games, some of the issues that have completely ruined our season... We're evident. So you've seen the second half, not a capitulation, but you've seen the second half flatlining of the tempo, if you like. We've been critical of the fitness of the Celtic side. Pretty poor in the second half of a lot of games. That happened against Aberdeen. Funnily enough, last night we are up 2-1 at at half-time and we drop it in the second half. That's happened a lot this season. And then obviously the second game being the Hearts final, JP, whereby we're playing a, a club in the Championship. People say, but they're not a Championship club. A club in the Championship Mm. who might have a bigger budget than everybody else because you would expect them to be in the Premier League and I'm pretty sure they'll be back soon enough but you know they took us to extra time they looked the most likely to win in the extra time period we win it on penalties so yeah unbelievable achievement Lenny's played a massive partner of course he has but this season we've only contributed two games to that unbelievable achievement and the rest has been pretty dismal so it is hard to put a nice positive glean on that but I want people to realise it's not because you have a vendetta against Neil Lennon absolutely not because even when he was at Bolton I looked out for his results when he was at Hibs um, as I've said a couple of times in the last few weeks I had the privilege of interviewing Neil Lennon and he told us after the event off camera that he will be back at Celtic Park as manager one day him and his uh, agent alluded to that so you kind of expected that. I remember the reception he got when he walked out in front of the Royal Concert Hall where I think it holds something like 1500 JP and they all gave him a standing ovation Mm. you know because and and they probably started chanting his name as well but on the flip side of that the, the night before the Scottish Cup final against Hearts first time round the treble treble where he's the interim manager. And everybody's asking the question around about that time, what happens if we win? Does Lenny get the job? I said on the podcast, well, he needs to. He needs to get the job. He come in in our time of needs after Brennan Rogers walked out on us um, unceremoniously. And he came in and he'd done what we had to do. He galvanised the team. He's good at he, he was obviously good at that. I think the problem, and I'll get onto that, is he's kind of beyond that now, JP. And I think a big part of that was the fallout of the Ferenc Varros game whereby he has tried to get a reaction out of certain people in that dressing room by calling them out. Not by name, but there's players in that dressing room who don't want to be here. And that backfired on him. Now, pe- people talk about losing the dressing room. And when you're speaking to ex-players, I ask them, what does that mean? And it does happen. Of course it does. I mean, we've spoken time and time again about what happened to Ronnie Dyla. All it takes is four, five, maybe six senior players not to buy in to the person or their philosophy, and that spreads throughout the team. Do you think, and I know we've had other people on the podcast this season, like Anthony from Four Times, who after the 2-0 defeat at Celtic Park to Rangers, said that Neil Lennon should walk or be sacked at that time. And I, I said, you know, I felt it was too early at that point. Mm-hmm. But, Ferenc Farrows comes along, and now with hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight, that may have been the moment, JP, where he's lost that dressing room because people look back at last season you look at some of the performances it can't all be the kind of after effects of a brilliantly uh, working machine that Brendan Rodgers set up and it still runs for a year surely Lenny had a part to play of course he did in the treble-treble so I think what's happened is there's been a real tipping point within the the playing staff and I believe it would be the Ferenc Varos one because there really has been since then um, a demise a demise in the performances and individuals basically disappearing from view Eduard being a prime example you know he's had a really poor season do you, what do you think is there a is there a moment that you can pinpoint in the season if I asked you where did it all go wrong
1: the, the biggest one probably is that moment where he said that after the game about there's, there's players in there that don't want to be at the club anymore and they're, they're looking they're agitating for a move or whatever and then he was pushed and said have people actually come and said that to you and he said yeah they have and I remember sitting here just going, oh, no, that is far too much information to be out there in the public domain, you know? Like, especially that type of information, it's pretty sensitive information. It's not... It then throws into question amongst the support, who's he talking about? Mm. And then all of a sudden, all the players are all going, well, obviously there's no fans there, so nobody can, you know, sort of uh, vent their anger at a game or anything like that. But, you know, it's the 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 reverse of that is social media, where people are all you know questioning who it is on social media and everything else, which is horrible. You know that that is the that's the domain that we have to you know have to, to you know. It's great having this, but doing this but without the outlet of going to the games is 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 quite is quite you know harmful. I think not harmful, but it's 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 not as as enjoyable, (laughs) as if, you know, you were actually at the game and you could talk about things that happened at the game, your experience of the game, you know, you're just sitting watching it on your own in your flat. So I think that moment when he said that was just like, that was alarm bells, big time. Um, I don't know if it necessarily made me go, well, we should definitely go at this point. Because you know we had the Europa League as a kind of safety net, if you want to call it that. But then it turned out to be anything but a safety net. We fell completely through that safety net, if it was one, um, with the way that things went in that campaign. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I think what well, holding on to these players, whoever they are that didn't want to be there after the summer, that's proved to be such a big a big uh, factor. I think in all of this, um, I think.
2: Without a doubt Now I'm going to dip in and out of the comments as we go along Because there's, going back to something you said there JP The the going to the match experience It's something that obviously for generations Has been passed down from grandfather to father and, and so on And you look back, I look back on my dad a lot of the time especially This week
0: on the Marketers Report Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery Weighs in on building trust As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: In my older age, I look back on these experiences and the fact that that football game at the weekend gave uh, someone whose life probably was, you know, just pretty grim. You know, my old man worked down the pit. He was a pit man. That's a grim existence, 12-hour shifts, underground in horrible conditions. But then at the weekend, you had this release. You know, you had the release. And what went with that, obviously, was travelling on the supporters' buses, having a, a drink or two, your your, com- your comrades, etc. And the football was a release. And it was a release of all the emotions and all the frustrations, but also the joy that you get from watching Celtic. And we've not had that. And I think what's happened this season, JP, is we haven't been able to release any of that frustration. We haven't been able to vent anything. And unfortunately, what's happened is, you know, a lot of the stuff you're seeing online is pretty toxic. And I think a big part of that is we're not going to the games. We're not able to release the frustrations and the joy and and the emotion. And I have heard quite a few times people saying, you know, we've been worse off this season because the fans play a much bigger part. They're far more influential at Celtic than at other clubs. I totally get that. But I do think it's a mitigating circumstance uh, in amongst all the other things that have been done wrong and have gone wrong for Celtic this season. But, you know, one of the things I've been disappointed in Has, and I keep bringing it up, but it's been the communication and the the engagement from the club itself. The silence from Celtic Football Club is deafening. And again, people constantly say, well, why would you speak to this broadcaster or that channel? Well, on, you know, bottom line of that is if you do speak to them, the club get to know what you're said. And, you know, within the days of someone perhaps putting out a message, sometimes the club do respond. And we've had statements, and I'm not saying it's because of me, we've had statements from the club, one-way statements, JP, where, you know, if you already feel kind of isolated as a fan, they just make you feel even more isolated. So everything that's going on, and we're waiting for the results of this review, review, in the crowd on YouTube says the silence from Celtic Football Club is deafening. How disappointing... Has that been this season? And is there anything they can do to try and repair that?
1: I think they're in the middle of an absolute PR disaster, really, with the, with the way that they. Well, the, the fact that they didn't report any of Lennon's um, of you New know, Lennon's press conference the other day was was pretty telling and I, I'm quite startling, actually. When I when I was looking through to see if there was anything and anything being posted, and they hadn't posted anything, I was just like, "Wow, that's." Mm. That's pretty worrying. That, that, that I mean, the end start to worry is 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 there a complete breakdown between uh, management and and uh, you know boardroom level or whatever you know, alla a Brendan Rodgers, Terminado, all of that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I, I'd forgotten about that interview actually, but <laughs> you brought, it up, you brought it up a couple of times and uh, and uh, I do remember it. I remember it very well. it was it round about the time of the Valencia game. Was it? Was it? Was it at or around about that time.
2: I'll probably have a look back on that, JP, because it is so, you know, telling now when you look back, you know, the messages were there.
1: It was basically him showing his hand a little bit. I mean, he he didn't show his hand a lot, Brendan Rodgers, but he definitely showed his hand a little bit that (laughs) night. um, Yeah, I think the the, the PR side of things, I mean, I I, I feel disconnected from, from the club, but more so because I'm not at the ground and going to the games and all the rest of it. The actual communication it just leads to uh, speculation and, you know, um, is the word conjecture? I don't know. Uh, Is is that the right word to use? Absolutely, yep. Um, From the fans as to what's going on because no one really, really knows. Everyone's just kind of going, "Okay, well, they're clearly sticking by Lennon. But I think think it's because they don't have a a plan B and therefore they're scared probably to put out stuff that they can't back up.
2: Um, Well, it's interesting that there's a 22-minute interview um, that obviously was ran by the club. It was the club's media and PR team that set it up and controlled it. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones who are allowing X, Y and Z to speak. They're the ones who, if necessary, would step in. And I felt that they probably should have stepped in at some stage. And they did, JP. They had an opportunity. So I think about midway through that interview, there were some kind of connectivity issues, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently. and um, that gave a wee breather in the middle of the interview for the PR officer to come in and speak to Neil Lennon now you don't see because the PR officer's back is to the camera and he's speaking directly to Neil Lennon and he's obviously breaking the news that by the way Neil we've just had a second casualty here and there's a second player got COVID Mm -hmm. and then the PR officer leaves the screen Incredibly, the the connection's back up and running and then they can get back into the interview. Well,
1: well I've not seen it, so I didn't know that that's what actually happened, but that's, that's crazy. That's what's...
2: And, and it, was, it was car crash stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've said to, to Colin a few times, in defence of Neil Lennon, by the way, mm-hmm. it was wrong to drop that bombshell midway through that. Neil Lennon would never have known, right? I mean, were they... Unless the club released it, the, the press pack would never have known during the interview. You know, it's only 20 minutes long. And then afterwards, the club could have followed it up with a statement saying, during Neil Lennon's interview, this has been found, you know. Yeah. But to do that, and I just think that it did actually contribute to the way that interview went. Mm. I mean, we've all seen the, uh, the last seconds of it where he, he talks about a barrage of hypocrisy. Mm. As soon as he said that, Neil Lennon stormed out He stormed out, and someone's still trying to ask him questions. But no wonder that he was rattled, is what I would say. Because, you know, on the one hand, I say, well, he had two weeks to prepare for the interview, JP. So you're going through everything in your mind, and if you can remain composed and hopefully go through what you want to say, that's one thing. Um, He didn't actually, he opened up, his opening salvo was to demand an apology, that's the way that he approached it But I don't think it helped, and I don't think, you know, in the crowd makes a point there, the silence from CFC is deafening We've got to hold everybody to account, you know, and I just think that there's certain things we could have done so much better to assist Neil Lennon as well But, you know what, I think we're beyond it now So last night, Neil Lennon's come out and said, I'm not going to walk, again as you say, it leads to speculation. Oh, it's because he's on a rolling contract and he wants a payout. And if he walks, he waves it, etc., etc. I mean, it doesn't take out you know a genius to work that out. But that's that's not the sole the, the sole reason.
1: Absolutely. Is that the reason? It's not the sole reason. reason. It's not about money. There's no way he's holding off purely for monetary reasons. He's holding off because he is bullish and he is you know the type of guy that. Will go down fighting. You know, he's not the type of guy that will just go. Oh well. You know, it, it's, it's clearly not worked out. I mean, last night's game. I know you covered it uh, in length after the game uh, on the reaction, um, but I mean, it was <laughs> it was just a, it was farcical that like Livingston got the equaliser just at the point where the snow was starting to lie, and then from that point on. Said to my mate this morning, the Livingston fan who was looking for a reaction from me, he's not that much a needly guy, you know, he's a good pal, a really good pal. But he was obviously texting, just going, Oh, I thought we should have won on Saturday. And, you know, last night, you know, and Beacon's goal was offside, and I was a mile offside, he said. And I was like, I'd hardly call it a mile offside, marginal. But, you know, when the snow started to lie, it was just like, This is a joke, man. We need a goal. We need to win this game. We're playing against a a, a, a you know a shadow, so, so to speak, Livingston side, and uh, we, we're just not going to be able to play our game. And 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 the only way I could see a goal happening in that game between either side, uh, as the snow started to, to lay on the pitch, was if somebody made a mistake. And I was just waiting for somebody falling and it being the last man, and you know Duffy or Beaton falling, and then but like them just running through and rounding back and scoring, and that being the, sort of the ultimate insult. Um, it also reminded me. Of, do you remember the Falkirk Celtic game from years ago at Brockville, three two, um, in the snow? Where we got an orange ball out and all that. I was at that game, ninety. I uh, looked it up ninety two. I think it was, um, and it finished Celtic three Falkirk two. I'm trying to
2: think. I'm trying to think of the goal scorers because I, I do remember. I ran about that time. Remember the five four game at Brockville. No, I remember. A,
1: there was a five four game which was just in an afternoon and there was no uh, bad weather, but it was the three two game. It was midweek. And I, and I went to the game I was, in, I was in the Falkirk end i hold my hands up I was in the Falkirk end obviously supporting Celtic um, my, my, I used to go to Falkirk games as well with my pal and his dad um, when they were in the first division and the Celtic team that day that was Bonner, Boyd Vadovchik O'Neill Mowbray Gillespie <laughs> Slater McStay Craney Nicholas and Collins that was the team and the scorers were uh, Mowbray Craney and Brian O'Neill
2: Brian O'Neill was he yeah. playing as a makeshift centre-forward or centre-half that day? You just I never knew with Brian on him.
1: In the Charlie Mulgrew role. Um, uh, uh, but, I, no, he... Uh, you know—that I just remember that game in the, the orange ball and I was watching that last night just going, like, is, is this going to game going to get called off? You could see the trail of the ball when it was, you know, and then uh, I was just... Uh, I mean, obviously they wanted to let the game go because it had gone too far and, you know, both teams had scored and everything, so they were just letting it play out. But it just... It, it seemed to sum up this absolute farce of a season that you know we're desperately needing a goal, and yes, he throws throws on Primpong and Scott Brown, which I don't really understand the Scott Brown uh, going on as a as a substitute. And he gave him a wee tap in the head. Did you see that? He gave him a wee tap in the head and in, in the dugout as if to say, "Son, you know, go on and like you know lead us to a victory." And he went on and inexplicably got himself set off you're just like what oh man
2: see the thing with that um yeah i I was a wee bit concerned looking at the the fact that it's all it all comes down to whether or not you can see the the lines on the park and it was getting to that stage where you weren't certainly from uh viewing it on the on the tv you couldn't really see them that well (laughs) someone made the point it might have been andy walker actually that there wasn't much um lines in the, the Livingston box It was the, the snow was lying which kind of showed you uh, where we were in the game mm. but I did notice that we tap on the head by Lennon to Brown and I often wonder about the relationship between the two of them because you know thinking back to the very first interview Scott Brown gave when Neil Lennon took over and he was very complimentary about Brendan Rodgers, but then he said you know but Neil Lennon's also an excellent coach mm. but I think what we had seen with Scott Brown as a development Particularly under Brendan Rodgers, whereby you know, I would have, I would challenge anyone to say that you know this time last year, anyone would say he wasn't a Celtic legend. he wasn't a great Celtic captain. Everything that he'd achieved. So when I see a lot of the kind of fallout of last night. I just don't buy that yes he's not the player due to his age and where he is in terms of his physicality JP that he once was but what I, I'm being frustrated with this season with Scott Brown and we've seen it against Hibs at Easter Road where he gave away that daft penalty hmm. is he that, that was a part of his game in his younger days you'll remember a sending off against Barcelona where you're, you're oh. just looking at him thinking what are you doing you know but then it's yeah. been a You know, But again, you've got to take that because a lot of the time you've kind of relied on Brown being the guy that comes on and, you know, against Aberdeen up at Patojie who was complaining when he was doing that wee jig and all that kind of stuff or the Bruni and all that. So we've got to take that with the other element of his game. But unfortunately, it's crept in a couple of times this season. I mean, here's an example, right? So he headers the ball in the Scottish Cup final. It comes out wee Griffiths Instinctively puts it in the net, and he's given them dogs abuse. Now, as a Celtic fan, at no point did I say, "Well, oh, that really lacks class, JP." You know, <laughs> I was like, "Get it up, them, right?" So it gives you that. But then the flip side of that has been these daft wee moments this season that have crept in. Do you think it's frustration? Do you think he's frustrated at the way that things are going with the club, but maybe also with himself because oh, yeah. he's lo- he's lost his jersey.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think he's he's bound to be frustrated because. He does love playing for Celtic. He loves playing football, full stop. And you know everything I've read from his interviews and seen in his interviews, he loves the the, the actual ceremony of going in to the Atlantic Town and training. And, and I totally get that. I totally understand that because I, I am the same in, in my job when I'm allowed to do it. You know, at, at DF, you know, I love going into work I love you know saying alright to people that I work with in King Tut's and going to my office and sitting down and doing my emails and planning the gigs and everything I love that you know and you know if that was on the verge of being taken away from me which it has been at the moment and I've been extremely frustrated I haven't been going out and like body checking people in the street and elbowing them and things like that but, I'd be arrested. But um, uh, but, but I understand his persuasion at his position right now at the club because it is, you know, it's sadly it will be over soon and he has to make a decision about when that will be. I don't think that, I don't understand his thought process on last night because he does stop. To actually allow the guy to run towards him and then he makes the movement, and you're like, why do that? You know, it's the whole raising your profile. here I go, raising your profile to, uh, to uh, the referee um, uh, to you know to, to to basically make him make a decision. And and and, and it, some people will say, oh, it have been a yellow. It was a red card. It, it, you know. It, it, I hate saying that because you know, I love I love Scott Brown. I've met him a couple of times as well, and he's brilliant banter. But um, that that was a red card, and it was so stupid. I don't think it cost us the game. I think I think our play and the conditions cost us the game. I don't think that one moment would be like it was too late in the game anyway to cost us the game. If it had happened after we're half an hour to go or something, then it'd be even more raging. But um, nah, it was. I think yeah, I think he's just frustrated and. It'd be horrible to think of his career just whimpering out, you know, and, and it looks like that's going to happen potentially, and and you know I just hope that he's remembered for the many many good things that he's done as opposed to yeah uh, this.
2: Absolutely, I keep going on about the appearances. You know, he's made over six hundred appearances for Celtic, and there's a select few who are in that that table. The only twelve have made over five hundred JP, and it's and it's the greats. You know, the real greats to Celtic Park, and he's in that group. And you know, even if his performances tail off between now and the end of the season, or you know, they go the same way as we've seen them last night, going. I'm still going to look at Scott Brown as an absolute icon of Celtic football club. But in the back of my mind also, I always thought that Scott Brown would remain at the club mm-hmm. uh, beyond being a player. I know that you know he's already done a bit of work at the club with some of the, the, the development sides. Mm-hmm. He's gone through his badges. We had someone in here, I forget who it was, who went through the course with Scott Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's obviously got an eye on the coaching side. And I do like... I do like, it when it works, the boot room mentality that obviously Liverpool were famous for back in the day. And Celtic were as well. When you look at even the the steam years, you know, everybody there was a Celtic player, an ex-Celtic player that would come through, Neely Mock and Sean Fallon. Um, and it's part of that, you know, getting everybody, particularly these days when you're bringing people from all over the, the globe, although that might change, getting people in and, and, you know, getting them to understand what the club is and what the club means. Yeah. Because a lot of people have said this season, uh, what does it matter to Eduard? What does 10 in a row mean to Eduard? Now, I understand the point, but I think there's a professionalism about a lot of these players that have come through French academies and in, in, in that JP where they want to achieve. It doesn't matter if they're at Celtic or their next club or at Toulouse or PSG. They want to achieve. It's all about achievement. So I don't, I don't buy that entirely, that these guys don't. But what I would say is, do they want it as much as a Kieran Tierney? I doubt that very much. You know, did he want it as much as Scott Brown, who's been there for the nine and he wants the 10? I doubt that very much. So I like to have figures at the club and it gives you a continuity. You know, if a new management team comes in, it's always nice to have that familiarity. And I always thought Scott Brown would be that figure.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for
2: more. It moves from player to maybe coaching staff. Hmm. Now, last night, I'm looking at that, another dreadful night uh, watching Celtic, you know, looking at half-time with Colin and Kevin. We're 2-1 up. You're thinking, yeah, we're going to get a result. This is great.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, the chance just before that game. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that was, I wouldn't say it was a setter. Of course it was. not I mean, it was a good save by the keeper, but, You know, you you go three up before half-time, I would have said it's probably game over, you know? Definitely. Definitely.
2: 45 minutes on the clock, JP. Um, And I think the big man tired, actually. I think I are tired because there was moments in that game up and down the right-hand side, the big galloping runs. Unreal. Um, And we've seen him at Firth Park, you know, taking a chance like that. We've seen him at Patoji taking a chance like that. So I would have put my money on him scoring last night. Unfortunately, he didn't. Um, But... The second half this season has been an issue for Celtic. And I'm looking at Scott Brown and I'm thinking, right, we're now 20 points behind. Yes, we've got two games on hand. But as we know, if if last night taught us anything, that's not a guaranteed six points. Mm. We've no wins this year. Are we entering into another one of these ruts that saw us win 2-12? And And then, inevitably, you ask the question, Neil Lennon won't walk away. Will the club take the decision out of his hands um, and that that's a big question I'm going to ask you that JP because a lot of people are resigned to the fact that we're going to stay as is until the end of the season mm. I don't know wh- where we're going to benefit there I really don't know as a club how we're going to benefit we've used the, the season ticket renewal as a, a, a point where you think well change has to happen before then otherwise a lot of people might be reluctant to renew mm. but what if that change is that Neil Lennon is removed from the manager's chair mm. and we've got a Basically, an interim uh, team of bodies that are already there, like John Kennedy, Gavin Strachan, and the aforementioned Scott Brown might have come into that. Uh, Obviously, you've got McManus, you've got day, you've got McIntyre. So, where do you think this is going to go in terms of the club? They have been quite quiet on the subject. Uh, We've got another week before we play a game. Do you think that this week might be the week where they come out and say, actually, we have concluded this review, uh, and this is the result of that? Neil Lennon is no longer the Celtic manager
1: well i think there's two ways of looking at it they're either going to double down and and be like well we're just going to uh we, we'll double down on our support for Neil age because and because of the circumstances of the first two games uh well not the first two games the the, the second and the third game of the year being uh majorly disrupted by the uh the coronavirus self isolation of you know, the majority of the, the, the first team playing squad. Not the majority, but a, a decent amount of the first team playing squad. Um so I think they, they would they would if they were going that direction they would probably factor that in. They would factor in at Ibrox that we were the better side and then obviously sending off everything changed. Um they look they maybe look at that but if they were being cold blooded if they were being cold blooded, they would they would definitely say we've concluded the review. Performances and results have or results haven't not performances results haven't been uh, up to the standard that we expected. And uh, as a result, um, you know this is this is what's going to happen. But it just depends on how they're how they're going to look at it. It also depends what their what their plan B is. And I, I genuinely don't think that they have one. And mm. see, so just back to you know find margins and things like that, I had a theory the other day um, about the Chris Julian injury, see that moment that he clattered the post uh-huh. any any faint hopes that we had of this title went that moment, his knee hit that post, as far as I'm concerned because that set in motion a chain of events that has led to us being in this debacle um, because if he hadn't got injured in that game, say they'd scored that goal and he'd won the game 2-1 we go into Ibrox with Julian and I at the centre half. Would that incident have happened with with? B- I know it's all F spots and maybes, but it has to be looked at from source, and that's the source of that point. Um, would would, would uh, Julian have got turned like Beaton did? Would he have even been in the position to be turned like Beaton did? I don't know. Um, and then you've got to look at the the whole Julian moving seats on the bus thing. Did he move seats on the bus because of his injury? You know, mm. I don't. Know. No one knows because it's not been re- released. But there is a weird thing where he's moved seats, and they've had to. They actually, in the, the bus manifest, they all have had to say he was sitting in this seat, and then mm. he was sitting in this seat, and that's what's caused this supposed, you know, extra pollution of the squad. That you know, so you know, it's just, it's just wild to think that. I know there was way problems, way, way before uh, Julian hitting the post, but if there was going to be any hope at all it went in that moment as far as I'm concerned So
2: I, th- I think we'll focus on that when we're doing the end of season DVD you know the Axom DVD that we're go- yeah. obviously going to do, it'll be quite a dramatic uh, 45 minutes that's for sure, um, we'll, wor- we'll work through some of these comments coming in from uh, regular posters via YouTube, Facebook and Twitter so please if you are watching on YouTube subscribe hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up uh, because we do have a, a proportion of people who come on here jp who don't support celtic and um you know they give us abuse down the comments and they they give us a thumbs down so please support your uh acts on broadcast now stephen kenneth how many times have we heard our manager in interviews use the phrases i don't know for whatever reason we can analyze it to death the same man refutes suggestions it's a shambles or a crisis now we use words shambolic uh, crisis, you know, back in the day where people used to read newspapers and we saw the crest and it was crumbling and it was split and all this kind of stuff. You know, we, we've been called entitled this season, JP, because you're not winning, you're throwing the toys at the pram and protesting at the, you know, at the uh, Harris Fencing and all that. It's much deeper than that. It really is much deeper than that. And I think one of the biggest frustrations for me is the signs have been there for some time that this was unraveling. I think it's really important uh, to note the point you raised there about Julian Clark and in that post because you know there might have been some miraculous recovery had that not happened, and then Forrest comes back and it's the old Celtic fairy tale. We know it's not going to happen this season, and no. there's so there's so many occasions now, like in the 45th minute, Big Ayer, who's probably feeling it a bit because he's not been training to the same kind of high tempo. Mm. He's one-on-one and on one he misses. If that happened, but there's been too many ifs this season. Mm. In other seasons, all the ifs have been positives, you know, yeah. and, and we don't even question it because of that. Um, the, one of the things that's annoyed me a bit, I've got to say, is um, how Celtic have become all of a sudden a laughing stock, right? So we go to Dubai and we know... What's happened? And we've gone over it and we've pored over it. And I don't think we've heard the last of that, especially with the government side of things, right, with John Swinney and his comments. So we'll need to just, uh, you know, play that one by ear. So obviously with the Dubai and and the fallout of Dubai, uh, and, you know, I look at the way that um, that was kind of reported on the Spartak Moscow Twitter page, and they're basically poking fun at Celtic. Now sometimes you see wee Twitter spats And it's really good humour than that You know what I mean JP And mm-hmm. I've always said on this podcast That Celtic fans have a great sense of humour But we can laugh at ourselves But you're just thinking to yourself We are turning into a bit of laughing stock. Last night Livingston Um, go 10 games unbeaten, so they give us the 10-in-a-row message on their Twitter page, and you're just thinking, right, fair enough, that's fine. St. Johnston come out and refute what Neil Lennon says. Hamilton, refute what Neil Lennon says. You know, the Deputy First Minister comes out and does the same. That, for me, we're getting to the realms of the club itself, Like you know, the reputation of the club. I'm not going to call it a brand. I'm not a commercial guy. The club... You know, I just think that when you look at the values of the club and you look at how you as a fan view the club, and we're always going about the fairy tale element in a club like no other. There's other Scottish clubs mocking us now. You know, the the, the government are mocking us. The Scottish government are, are basically refuting what our manager has said. Do you think there are wide ranging um, issues that Celtic will need to deal with? Do you think it will take a while for us to repair this damage?
1: Yeah, well, it'll take a it'll take a while to repair the relationship between whatever board is in place and the Celtic fans I think because you, know, you can point the finger as much as you want at Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon came into the job knowingly obviously without his own coaching staff so he took the coaching staff and team that was there but there's so many things that are that don't seem right with regards to uh, the, the boards the law, law, Peter Law's interference in the football inside of things um, I just I think there's too many things that I've heard now that are like wait a minute that's not right that shouldn't be happening at a football club of our size and um, the sort of the, the, at source it's kind of there's something wrong before you get down further down the, 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 the tree so to speak so I think yeah I think there's there's, there's in, in terms of people laughing at us, it's, it seems absurd that we've just won four consecutive trebles. I mean, that that is an unbelievable achievement, you know. And then we'll be like, oh, but you didn't have any competition. Yes, we did. We had competition all through that time. It's just that they weren't very good, you know. And we beat them every every time we played them, you know, um, or more often than not. And even when, even when we did get beat off them, we won the games that mattered and won enough of the games that mattered to to get the trophies at the end of it so I don't I totally refute this oh there was no competition and just because suddenly there's a challenge there's a challenge because they've got a steady uh, a steady ship that hasn't been really interrupted they've played away I I watched the game against Motherwell I didn't didn't see that much that made me think oh this is an absolute flying machine do you know what I mean it's just that we are completely off the rails at the moment and, Mm. and we're struggling to get anywhere near back back to the track you know Kevin Graham analogy
2: Uh, Are we allowed to make an analogy uh, if if Kev's not on the show
1: uh, It's it's copyrighted so at least I've inserted that um, uh, caveat as a a word that's used uh, often these days but yeah I think there's there's going to be a disconnect until the the fans the majority of the fans see uh, uh, a, a change in the professionalism of of, of, the, of the, the team and the club.
2: Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, I'm going to compare it to a couple of the managerial appointments and demises that we've uh, witnessed over the last 20 odd years. Now, Patrick Murphy comes in to say, through the lack of action, the board is giving the impression that 20 points behind is acceptable. It doesn't appear they will sack Neil Lennon. And I predict he's here until the end of the season. And there's a lot of fans who agree with you, Patrick. Um, I think back to when Brennan Rodgers came in. In a blaze of glory and the whole thing's getting streamed live on Celtic TV and 13,000 fans are at the stadium, you know, and nobody at that moment in time didn't want Brendan Rodgers in charge of Celtic, that's for sure. But what he was taking over is he was taking over from Ronnie Dyla, which was completely different. It was a completely different set of circumstances than when Martin O'Neill took over from I'm going to say John Barnes, I know Barnes had left much earlier He took over from Dalgleish effectively But you know the, the Barnes and Dalgleish dream team As the Celtic view called it So when O'Neill took over JP, Celtic were shambolic if, if we think back to that season And I've looked at it in some depth over the last year Particularly when I was speaking to Barnsey In that interview that we managed to, to do uh, Probably about a year ago now But when I look at the, the job that Martin O'Neill did He came into the club when we really needed so much to change you know. You looked at the, the dressing room you looked at the, the way that that season had gone the way that the, uh, a number of the players hadn't really taken to John Barnes and Barnes has spoken to about that himself as has some of the players like Craig Burley um, I remember the story I got told by Big Stubbsy eh? was that, um, and again, I'd need to check where they were in terms of uh, where the destination was, but they were on some kind of break and there was maybe a couple of games here and there. I think it was a Scandinavian country, uh, if memory serves me right. But John Barnes obviously was a manager at this time. Tommy Johnson, Alan Stubbs and Craig Burley and I think Jackie McNamara were there. And they'd gone out in the afternoon and they were in a a restaurant-bar stroke cafe Place and Barnes didn't trust them. This is the, the feeling that the players got Barnes didn't trust them to go out on their own and behave. So he had gone out himself as well, looking for his, his team, you know, just like spying on them. Yeah, Big Brother's watching. Mm-hmm. And he's found them in this wee, nice wee restaurant. And he's gone in, and Tommy Johnson was drinking lemonade. Mm-hmm. And Barnes has walked oh, up yeah. to the table, <laughs> he's, he's, he's picked the drink up and actually taken a drink out of it. To make sure it was the alcohol. And the group of players at that stage... This was this was definitely a winter trip now that I look at it. Because you look at the, the form after it. It wasn't perfect before they went on the trip, JP. But it just felt a bit. And um, they all looked at each other and thought, this guy's not for us. You know. Now, there isn't a meeting at that stage where they all say, right, we're not playing for the boss. But there's just something inside footballers, isn't there? Where if you don't believe in the gaffer, or you think that they're undermining you as a professional... You're just they're not going to give that 100% that yeah. perhaps he would have done. And I think that was a massive issue under Barnes, and he was never, ever going to regain that. you know.
1: Uh, and Barnes as well was at our uh, the Tommy Burns supper. The year before Neil Lennon uh, was, was the guest, uh, John Barnes came along as, as, as manager, and it was quite a coup, because I don't think they'd ever they'd never had, apart from Tommy Burns, they'd never had a Celtic manager uh, attend so I was on the committee at the time and I was in the little reading room uh, and John Barnes came into the reading room and uh, nobody could speak everybody was just like John Barnes I mean you've got to remember uh, this is before the whole uh, it was about a month and a half before the Inron Cali thing and uh, so he's the Celtic manager he's John Barnes ex of England New Order World in Motion all of that and uh, everybody's of an age to know well, I hope maybe not everybody watching this is of an age to know that uh, particular single but um, you know, John Barnes comes in and everybody was kind of like nobody approached them, and I just walked up to him and went all right, John, uh, I'm John Paul, I'm one of the committee members, uh, pleased to meet you, and he went, oh, John Paul, John Paul Gaultier. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that impression's far too accurate, JP, I've got to say, far yeah, too
1: accurate. I didn't know where uh, I thought had uh, a tie, so uh, <laughs> I had a real loud tie on, and he was brilliant, he, he stood up and he spoke in front of the crowd and told everybody how proud he was to be a Celtic manager, and uh, I, I believe he was. Um it's just that, like you say, he probably had by that point lost a good part of the dressing room, and in that trip that you're talking about, probably only the month before, because um, this was January, uh, January uh, 2000. So yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess once once a, a part of that group, you know, and if it's an influential part of a group, you know, sort of tune out of the manager's way of thinking or think that he's. Not going to be, you know, taking the club forward in any way. Then, aye, yeah, it's it's probably sadly, you know, the, the end of the line.
2: It's irreparable, isn't it? I mean, obviously, Barnes was able to move on Craig Burley, but you can't move on half a dozen experienced, influential players because that's a heartbeat of your team. But the reason I brought that up is I feel that we're moving into the realms of what we do next as a board, what we do next as a club, is it's at that level because we had I think I would need to check this we had lost the league by 21 points when Martin O'Neill came in Um, we had lost the league obviously when Brennan Rodgers came in I'm not taking anything away from what Rodgers did at Celtic we were the league winners We were dominating Scottish football. Yes, we had only won the league, JP, Mm -hmm. uh, the previous season under Ronnie Dyla, having won the double the the previous season before that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's far more of a scenario where we need a manager to come in and make the impact that O'Neill did, whereby he's actually got a fragmented squad. Mm -hmm. He's got um, expensive players who have come in and not done it for him. I mean, I'm not comparing Raphael to to Barkas, but, you know, Martin O'Neill had a £5 million dud in the dressing room that you had to do something with and, and by the way I don't think anybody's going to get a tune out of Barcast now I've seen enough so I think the task that's, that the Celtic board has now is as big a task as they had after the, the Barnes and Dalgleish period at the club so you've got a group of players with a, the undoubted talent within that group JP, but there is going to have to be a turnaround in terms of staff. You're going to have to get rid of quite a few of them and bring in your own men. Massive investment. But that's what's going to be required to turn around this 20-point 20 po- 20 deficit. If indeed it is going to finish 20 points, you know.
1: Well, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's not... Like somebody said last night that... that um the, the the rock bottom is still to come, and I really really hope that is not the that is not the case. Because uh, yeah, well, we've, we've reached a the deer that uh, I didn't think was even possible this season, you know. But uh, we're, we're here and we're living through it. And you've got to take the good times, the bad times with the good. You know, it's always been the case that there's no sweet without sour, and uh, you know, it's just one of those things where yes, we've enjoyed unbridled uh, success in the last few years that none of us could have ever possibly thought could happen. You know, two trebles on the spin was considered ridiculous. Three, mental. Four, you know, uh, beyond the realms of thinking. No one could ever have thought in their lifetime they would see mm. us trebles. four trebles. Like, I mean, back in the days when, you know, when we were... Younger uh, upstarts watching Celtic in the 90s, you know, if you'd have said to us uh, after walking out Ibrox that day when McStay missed the penalty, oh, don't worry, uh, seeing about 20, 20, 26 years' time, you, you'll, uh, you'll be uh, winning four trebles in a row, you'd have been like, no way is that going to happen. In what circumstances can that possibly happen? Mm-hmm. But, I know. But, but we've lived through it and it's happened, and now we just have to. Dust ourselves down. That you know the decisions made by the club uh, and the aftermath of, of the of the of the um, the third treble, um, uh, unfortunately, have been the wrong one, uh, the wrong ones. I think because a few people have said the players got used to Brendan Rodgers and his style of coaching, and then you bring in somebody on a permanent basis that's completely different to that, it, and it's it's just and the, the games, as Kev said, the games moved on and we have to kind of move on with it. And, and I, I, I love Neil Wynn, and I said that at the start of the show, and, and i told you my history with, you know, my experiences with him and, and supporting him, but it's just it just doesn't seem to be the right fit anymore, and I hate saying that. I really mm. hate saying that.
2: It's interesting because we do get uh, fans of other clubs joining the, the podcast, and as long as they're uh, contributing, JP, that's great in a positive way. Uh, but again, going back to the humour Element, when you and I are talking and we, we were there and we be seen games back in the dark old days inevitably it will be mentioned from time to time because it's your point of reference but one big thing was this sense of humour and even last night looking at Facebook once I eventually got home because by God that was a late finish last night um, you know only Neil Lennon during a, a blizzard uh, wouldn't use a Yeti on the bench you know and you're just thinking we can still laugh at ourselves yeah, that was brilliant I don't know who came up with that but Paul Cockwell is a Hibs fan uh, Lennon done exactly the same thing at Hibs blamed everyone except himself now we do have a journalist coming in uh, for one of the other shows on a regular basis, I say coming in he, he's dialing in obviously. Um, but he worked pretty closely with uh, Neil Lennon when he was at Hibs. Mm. So he's analyzed you know how that started how the period that Easter Road started and how it unraveled and there are some similarities JP whereby there is this kind of siege mentality. Everybody's against us, you know. And it wasn't just because he was a Hibs, ma- uh, the Celtic manager, that that was his mentality. It was exactly the same when he was at Hibs. He thought the media were against him. He started, st- you know, he stopped speaking to the media. He was sending Gary Parker to do his press conferences and his pre-matches, and he was falling out with fellow managers on the sidelines. You'll remember the Jim Duffy situation. He was calling out referees. So we have seen this, and we know how it ended at Hibs. It didn't end well. It came to the point where there was a massive falling out on the training pitch with Cam Was it Florian Cam He had a short spell at Rangers. Uh, Everybody knows the story, don't they? And that that obviously then spilled into a meeting that he had with Leanne Dempster and he was relieved of his duties. Now, are we going down that road? You you were saying that we've not hit rock bottom yet. Is there still an incident? Is there still a drama? I wouldn't put anything past this Celtic side this season and Neil Lennon in particular.
1: That's true. I guess it would depend on uh, on on results. I mean, we need we desperately need to win. You know, wh- whether it's Neil Lennon in the dugout or whoever else in the dugout next week, we need to win that game. It was like last night. I was getting texts, you know, uh, calling out the unprofessionalism of, of Neil Lennon from a friend saying, you know, what, you know, banning Sky and this that, and the next thing. It's not becoming I'm a Celtic manager. And my reply was. It was as the game had started and I said, I don't care about any of that right now. I care about Celtic playing this game and winning. And that was all I cared about. Everything else goes out. As soon as the the, the whistle goes, all of that kind of goes out the window and you're just wanting the team to get a a result. So, you know, we just have to hope that there's no extenuating circumstances that we have, uh, you know, a full strength, a lot fitter uh, full strength squad to uh, pick from next week when we play Hamilton. It is Hamilton, isn't it? On Wednesday. Yes. yeah yep. uh, At home or away? At, at home. Oh, at home, right. Okay, right. So that is uh, that's strange. That's the first game, as I told you before, the first Celtic game I ever saw was Hamilton at home in September
2: 88. Big high scoring game, was it? 2 1 what was it because remember we beat them like 7-2 and all that 8-1 a few times around about that, that yeah, season
1: yeah. <laughs> we we'll 1 but I mean that, that, so that's a repeat of my first uh, uh, game but yeah so I mean we just have to you know just have to take it a game at a time throughout this absolutely absurd season absurd time of our lives um, that you know doesn't so, show any signs of abating any time soon with the lockdown further extended and all that so yeah um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, just I just I just keep everybody away and keep everything as much in house as possible. Only speak when needed to. You know, if <laughs> I, I was him, I would try and repair any damage to Sky either off the record or in the record because it just seems silly to be getting down going down that road with banning or trying to ban outlets from press conferences and stuff like that. You know, it's 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 still. I mean. I, I have no love for the other side of the city, but it still embarrasses me that they've got that ongoing situation with BBC. It's mm. a, it's like when you see sports scene and it's just like the text from the Rangers manager. And we've seen that now from three managers, uh, Kajinia, Murti, and and Gerrard. Uh, and it's all been text responses. And you're just like, how have they not resolved that? You know, that, that's been going on for what? More than three
2: years. Yeah, absolutely. Like, See, the, th- the thing with that as well. My concern, again, looking at it quite the Every no man is an is an island. You know, you can't burn every single bridge, JP. Yeah. You, you just you just can't do it. So that's a concern because you're burning bridges with the Varros comments with players. You're going against some of the club's wishes because he spoke about the Sky Sports thing yet. Ryan Christie and El Unusi yesterday were interviewed by Sky Sports, so there's people at the club who have got a much bigger say in what goes on than, than Neil Lennon so, you know, he's going against members of uh, Celtic Football Club, players, in the media his friends and ex-colleagues um, yeah. officials, it's like, any, it? it's a gun approach and everybody's getting it
1: Yeah, I think I he think should uh, I mean, it's very very easy for us to sit and uh, procrastinate over what someone should or shouldn't do in his position. I understand the guy is in immense under immense pressure. Of course he is. Like you know, there's so many reasons for that. But if I was him, calming down after being, I know what it's like to isolate. By the way, it's horrible just having to sit in and not be able to go anywhere, not even able to go outside to do anything. I had to do that when I came back from France last year for two weeks, and it was absolutely brutal. So I know the frustration and perhaps going straight into a press conference after being in that uh, confined environment was not a good idea, especially for someone with the character of Neil Lennon, who's, you know, they did go a bit Tony Montana on, on people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was waiting for another impression there. <laughs>
1: what had it freed me? But I can do it. I can actually do it all right, you know, but I'm not going to do it now. Um, uh, what I was going to say, yeah. so like, d- coming out like, that, I think, uh, calming down, he should make a phone call to Andy Walker and be like, Look, I don't agree with what you said, you know, I, and that's why I've called you out about it. And I, I don't know what his relationship like with Andy Walker. I don't even know if he speaks to the guy or has spoken to the guy before, but certainly with John Hartson as well. I, I think he is stuck in his craw that Hartson didn't phone him and say, By the way, I'm going to say this in the media or I'm going to say this on a podcast or whatever, and, you know, and it just, that's, Lennon, Lennon you know, must have found out about it through the media. So I think he needs to repair that because, you know, you don't want to lose friends over this. It's it's not, it's not that sort of situation where you lose people that you've shared a bond with, you know, being in, the, the, being in the trenches with, you know, because Neil Lennon and John Harson saw some pretty good action together in their, in their time on, the, on a football pitch and I'd hate to think that that would be a, 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 a ruined relationship over. Over this,
2: do you know? Is. Oh worry words. No, you're right. You're spot on. I'm going to leave people with a slight positive, JP. I'm going to try my best here, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Zenko Vicks, who comes in and out quite regularly, so it's good to see you again. Um, your avatar looks like Apocalypse Now, which is right. quite, you know, it's probably appropriate at the moment. So, you're commenting on YouTube, and you've, you've made a few comments in relation to Benitez, and people keep saying every time you pull a big name out the hat, Ah, uh, He would never come to Celtic. We would never invest in that individual. I'm going to throw a nice wee positive end to the, the broadcast now. This story about CVs in the drawer, right? Nonsense. Absolute mm-hmm. nonsense. Celtic did not only speak to Neil Lennon for that manager's job. Mm-hmm. And one of the managers that they did speak to, and it was progressing, but obviously it didn't come to fruition, was Benitez. Mm-hmm. Right, so that did happen. Now, he's now in a Chinese super league making millions and millions. I don't know what his salary is, something absolutely obscene. Uh, But I think when you're looking at somebody like Benitez and uh, the other manager who's gone over there recently, Slavin Bilic, Bilic is there until an English team wants him back. You know, it's just a stepping stone. There's no way you're going there because you have got some kind of ambition. Uh, that you're going to be able to achieve whilst you in the Chinese Super League. No disrespect. That's not going to happen, JP, right? Mm. So, Bilic will get offered a job at some point, I would guess, back in, uh, at the English game. Rafa Benitez, what would price him away from uh, China? Would it be uh, a club who you would expect to be able to qualify for some stage of the Champions League. And I say that because I don't take that as a given either because obviously we've not done all that well even as champions over the last few seasons. But yeah, it's always going to be someone with access to the Champions League, isn't it? So, would Benitez be someone that comes? I'm not saying he would. I just want to drop that little dose of positivity in there to say that Celtic were in discussions with Rafa Benitez when Neil Lennon got the job. Why did Peter Lowell say that he was the only guy? Well, he's going to have to back up his man, isn't he? He couldn't exactly come out and say Neil Lennon was the second choice.
1: Well, I think it creates a bit of... I think he was probably trying to create a bit of kind of folklore or not folklore but like just create a bit of uh, mystique and kind of like go oh well you know wait, there's no other man for the job we, 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 we had a bunch of CVs but we just chucked them in the bin or and you know and I've just been into the shower there to give them the job you know and it was everybody was caught up in that moment and you know I don't think with the greatest of respect to Peter Law that getting caught up in the moment is something that a CEO should be doing you know it, it, it should be something that's a lot more calculated than that and yes there was elements of the fans that were happy with that appointment um, and I agreed with you at the time I remember you saying "Well, how could you not give the guy the job um, and, and, and I, I, I still stand by that because I, I, at the time I was like okay this is working you know um, he's come in he's galvanised the, the team uh, why wouldn't he be given the job? You know, but then when you actually like analyse his, his his managerial record and then put it up against Brendan Rogers' record, uh, as a, as a sort of you know uh, downwards uh, downwards choice from from what it was before.
2: By the way, don't get me wrong; I'm not saying we're going to go and try and get Rafa Benitez. I'm just giving an idea of the fact that there are managers out there. And I think that the term elite is used quite loosely these days, JP, but there are managers... I think Benitez is an elite manager, incidentally, mm-hmm. what well, he's won over various countries uh, and in Europe. So there are managers out there who would be able to implement elite practices at Celtic Football Club. Get us back to a standard that I think uh, most Celtic fans enjoyed under Brendan Rodgers. So who's the next Celtic manager going to be? Well, they need to make the decision first. And uh, Neil Lennon's still in charge, so will well, he still
1: about the elite manager part is that uh, it's all very well there being a lot of elite managers but it has to be the exact right fit because you only have to look across other sides the City and a certain Mr Paul Le Guin, was he considered an elite manager when he came in I would argue yes given his achievements with uh, it was Leon wasn't it mm-hmm. um, and I didn't look out there because you know he, he came into an environment where you had people more uh, interested in eating bags of monster munch and whatnot than, than uh, you know uh, <laughs> healthy meals. Um, so I, I, you know, it's not, it, you know we could get there could be a, a whole host of elite managers that are out there, but it has to be the exact right fit and the, the homework has to be done. And going by the homework that was done with recruitment in terms of the likes of Shane Duffy. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm terrified of the prospect of, you know, I think we got lucky with Brendan Rogers and I think, you know, any, any anybody that comes in now it needs to be, you know, a thorough, a thorough, uh, uh, what's the word, a thorough um,
2: process, recruitment process.
1: A, a, a thorough recruitment process and a thorough yeah. study on that person's character and their history because, you know, you can't make a, we can't make a mistake here. Whatever happens next, whatever it's going to be and whenever it's going to be, because obviously something will change at some point. We don't know when that's going to be, but whatever the the next move is, it has to be the right one.
2: No, you're absolutely right. Now, JP, has been a uh, you know, it's always a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on the show uh, on a weekly basis. But uh, even during these difficult times, JP, we can get a laugh and we can talk about the good old days um, as well. But there's loads of good good days to come for Celtic supporters. There always is. Thanks everybody for getting involved on Twitter, Facebook, uh, and also on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe on YouTube. All that's left for me to say is, JP Mason, once again, thank you for joining me on a Celtic state of mind. Thank you.
0: media gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iheart media is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network